I sound like a broken record. I've been doing this for 18 years. I have never seen a market like this in my life. Home values have generally been skyrocketing the last couple of years. And with interest rates being so low, I've actually seen refinances where people are able to cash out that newly found equity in their homes, do home improvements, whatever it may be, and still save money per month compared to what their prior mortgage payment was. I like to see it as my job is to present you with a few different options. I step back, I let you decide, and I'll let you call me when you want to move forward. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Hey, and good morning. This is Ed Stetzer Live, and I am Ed Stetzer coming to you live from my basement near Aurora, Illinois, and happy to be able to share with you, uh, bring another guest that I think will help us to think through some of the issues of the day, our culture, our context, our how to live faithfully and fruitfully in these convoluted times. Actually, maybe we're kind of launching a little bit of a mini-series. The theme for this week and next week will be in and around parenting and teenagers and more probably because that's on the brain for me. Tomorrow I will preach the morning message at the Moody Church, uh, where I had the privilege of serving as the the interim pastor there for four years. Uh, When I I came to Moody Church, it was a full flourishing church. When I left my interim role four years later, the church was completely empty down to zero. Yes, I left in the, the shutdown of the pandemic. So they're gracious. They were gracious enough to invite me to come preach this Sunday do a little reception afterwards. But I'm telling you this to say that sitting outside of the Moody Church during the sermon and the reception will be a U-Haul moving truck. Flashers on. And immediately after church, my oldest daughter and I, her name's Kristen, she's going off to the University of Toronto to their elite vocal performance program. I need to work in the word elite as often as I can. I'm very proud of my kids. So we will drive together uh, for, well, all day. We're going to leave Sunday and then drive all the way to Toronto. And then I will uh, drop her off, unpack Tuesday, come back. I was going to track Monday, help her get settled, come back Tuesday, Wednesday, take a breath. And then Thursday, get in a car with my middle daughter, Jacqueline, and we will drive. I know, I know. We're going to drive from Chicago to California, and we got to get our car out there. Anyway, and so we're going to, you know, take it somewhat slow, five-day drive. You know, we're going to stop at some places. We're going to go see the the uh, Mount Rushmore. We're going to go to, you know, Garden of the Gods in Colorado Springs. We're going to drive down to Utah and see the uh, Zion National Park, and and then we're going to get to California. Now, why, why do I tell you all these things? Well, per- partly I'm rehearsing the exhaustion I'm going to feel in about 10 days when I return from these trips and unpack the second child who's going to college, by the way, in Riverside, California at Cal Baptist, and we'll drop them both off. I imagine I will probably then sit in the dark for a day or two by myself just to recover. I love my daughters. They're amazing. They do have so many words, but that's another story for another day. So very much excited but it's got on my brain right now is, um, is well, these young adults going off to school. I've got three daughters, one still at home, one more final year of high school. And so here's the thing. We hear a lot of data, a lot of conversation, a lot of panic, a lot of advice. Um, and I don't tend to give a whole lot of advice 
about parenting teenagers because I'm still parenting teenagers. And so I think that at any point, you know, I remember, man, I was so confident when I had like three-year-old, a three-year-old child. I knew everything about parenting. And then you sort of walk through the journey of parenting and you know less and less and less. But by God's grace and in his goodness, we are still, you know, walking through that journey together. So I like to either talk to one of two kinds of people when it comes to this kind of thing. One is people who have some experience. And two is people who have some data. And I think both experience and data are going to help us. And we're going to talk today to Kara Powell. Kara is the executive director of the, I actually know her. So it's not like I came up with Carol from, I'm, I'm guessing I'm not the first person who made Kara Powell into Carol. Kara uh, Powell is the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute, chief of leadership formation at Fuller Theological Seminary. She's named one of Christianity Today's 50 Women to Watch. She serves as the youth and family strategist for Orange. My guess is some of you attend churches that use Orange, speaks regularly at parenting and leadership conferences. And she's the author or co-author of a number of books, including her latest book that we're going to talk about today, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. Kara Powell, or as I might call you occasionally, Carol, thanks for joining us on the program. That's okay, Ed, as long as I can call you Irwin periodically. Um, exactly. I'm happy to be, be, be misnamed as Carol. But, and, and Ed, we are driving our middle daughter, uh, our middle child, to start in college on Tuesday at Pepperdine. Now, it's only 45 minutes from our house, so we don't have quite the oh, trek please. that you do. But please. I am right there I don't there even want to hear. And, that's like, that's I, like an Uber drive. I don't even want to hear that you're going to be. Yeah. But Pepperdine, nice, nice. Do you think they're going to do any work at Pepperdine or just walk down? to that beach every day? Oh, probably a little bit of work, but my husband and I are already saying we want to do some dates, just the two of us in the Pepperdine parking lot, because the view is yes, just no. so stunning. But but probably like it a is. lot of your listeners, um, I'm also right in that middle of, of our young people headed to college, as well as high school, junior high. I mean, this this is back to school month now here in August. So this is a perfect time to have this conversation together. It really is. And next next week, we'll actually have, I don't know if you know Jimmy and Kristen Scroggins, but they have a new book out on parenting, uh, the wonderful examples, role models. He pastors uh, Family Church. And well, so this is going to be our theme, it appears. And so I'm glad to have this. And you, what I love about you is you bring data. And I love that you mm-hmm. bring data. And we're going to talk some about what your learning has been. For those of you who don't know, Kara has been leading out in the Fuller Youth Institute. Um, and really, they have done some groundbreaking research and develop resources to help churches to engage and retain uh, teenagers and young adults, uh, help parents as well. And we're going to talk some about that with her today. Again, the book, her new book is is, is called Three Big Questions, and this is with co-author with Brad Griffin, uh, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. Now, obviously, you're going to tell us the three questions, and maybe, I, hopefully, it's, the book's more than just here's question one, two, and three, but... Let's talk about it, because um, here's the thing. Teenagers can access answers to any of their questions about any information ever known to humankind simply on their phone. My my middle daughter, who's going to, out to Cal Baptist State Science, she's uh, going to be a veterinarian. She, there's, a, there's a veterinarian TikTok channel. So she's literally studying to be a veterinarian on the TikTok yeah. Um, and so I like to call it the TikTok. It's like the Facebook. If you put a you know word the word the before, it makes you sound old. Uh, I, I by the way, I'm on TikTok. I don't know if you're on TikTok. I, I am on actually on TikTok. But anyway, so how is the church 
um, not engaging these kids? Are, are, are we asking the wrong questions? Should we? They seem to be being catechized or spiritually shaped uh, on these phones. Help us understand if we're asking the wrong questions and what are we missing out on? Yeah, well, first I want to say something to your listeners who maybe their kids or grandkids are younger than teenagers. And let me just say it's never too early to start thinking more deeply and intentionally about how we parent. Uh, My 18-year-old literally this morning is babysitting for a family where the oldest is four years old. And she said, Mom, you know, can you give me one of your books because this family wants one of your books. And so I handed them one of our books and I said, you know, even with a four-year-old, now is the right time to start thinking. But in terms of teenagers, Teenagers specifically, you know, I think part of what I love about teenagers is they're like walking bundles of questions. They have so many questions. They are so curious. Um, And as you've said, they can get answers to those questions from so many places. I want, and we at the Full Youth Institute want the church and the family to be one of the first places that young people go to get answers to their questions. And sadly, we're often missing young people's biggest questions. Part of why we wrote this book is we've been haunted by what we've heard from young people about how the church and homes are just slightly askew of what they're really navigating. I mean, one 15-year-old said this, I wish the church would stop giving me answers to questions I'm not asking. Mm. And that just haunts me, Ed. I mean, as a mom, as a volunteer at my church, I want to make sure that I'm in touch with the most pressing questions of young people. And so that's why we did this research. We surveyed over 2,000 teenagers. We did deep dive interviews with 27 very diverse teenagers. And by deep dive, I mean we spent four to six hours with each of them, not all in one sitting, in multiple sittings to try to understand what are they really wrestling with. And, And we found that what the wrestling with it really boils down to three main categories and that's what the focus of the book is yep yeah okay and i will go through those categories but let, let's let's build up to that a little bit because i think there's yeah. I, I want people to know a little bit more about what you do because you mentioned this study but this is not the only study that you've done you've done yeah. uh i mean I, I think it's fair to say that the fuller youth Institute is probably leading the conversation today on engaging um, this next generation, particularly teenagers, particularly uh, student age. In my in my day, we call them youth groups. Um, now I guess they're called student ministries because things got fancy. Um, so when all these things are sort of put together, you've been looking at these questions, um, and particularly teenagers who studied their who who questioned their faith. But there's some things I think you've shared in other places that have surprised you about that. So tell us about how you're studying teenagers how you're studying when they have questions or a faith, and what did you learn in that process? Yeah. So our first major research project was our sticky faith work. And, you know, that's actually the book that I handed my daughter to give to the family she was babysitting this morning uh, that has a four-year-old as their oldest. And we did that research because the best data shows that about half of youth group graduates from great families like those listening today And from great churches like those we attend, about half of youth group graduates drift from the faith. And so we tried to figure out why that is and what churches and families could do about it. Um, And in terms of surprises, especially related to questions, one of our big surprises in that previous round of research is the role of doubt 
or giving young people space to ask tough questions. As we surveyed over 500 youth group graduates, we found that over 70% of them admitted to having tough questions about God. And I say admitted because we think it's probably even higher, but that's still the vast majority of our youth group graduates, they have significant questions about God. And that as, as caring adults, mentors, parents, step-parents, that might cause us to freak out a bit. But here's the good news in our research. When young people had the opportunity to express and explore those doubts, that was actually correlated with greater faith maturity in high school and college. Or put more simply, it's not doubts that uh, are toxic to faith, it's silence. And so, again, on this theme of questions, we want our living rooms and our minivans and our small group rooms in churches to be a place where young people feel like they can ask questions like, why would God allow the destruction that's happening in Haiti this week, just as an example, or for young people to get even more personal and, and say things like, why would God allow my parents to get divorced? You know, those kinds of questions that are bubbling inside young people, we want them to be able to express those in the presence of a, a caring adult and also caring peers. Yeah, I know that this is going to be on the minds of a lot of our listeners as well. So let me invite them to call. It's 877-548-3675. That's our number, 877-548-3675. We're talking about, uh, well, teenagers, and the book title is Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. We're going to give away a few copies to some of our folks who bring brilliant and insightful questions or comments. So let me again invite you to call 877-548-3675. Stay with us. Hey, we're back. It's Ed Stetzer Live. Uh, my name is, is Ed Stetzer. I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, serve as a dean here at Wheaton College. And every Saturday, I have the privilege of serving as your host here on Ed Stetzer Live. We're taking your calls because we're talking about a topic I know will be near and dear to many people, particularly this, this week. I just uh, realized that as soon as the radio program is over today, I will go pick up our U-Haul truck so we can load it up today and begin our trip to Canada tomorrow. And so a lot of us are sort of at that stage, but my guess is there are lots and lots of people listening who have teenagers, maybe not like Karen and I, who are moving them to school. There is a California theme in that. You're going to Pepperdine, and you're at Fuller, and I'm driving down to Cal Baptist and Riverside. We're a lot of California on the brain, and I see some callers on the line from K-Wave. They're listening in Southern California. But again, let me invite you, 877-548-3675 is our number. Again, that's 877-548-3675. I want to jump to our calls in just a second, but let's talk a little bit more. Um, young people deal with these questions, these tough questions about faith and life. Are there some common symptoms that you see, approaches, quest concerns in their, um, their attitudes and their actions? What do you think? Well, I think, Ed, we're, we're getting close to talking about really what are those three big questions. So maybe yeah. I'll go ahead and dive into Let's that now if that might yep. be okay. So, you yep. know, in the midst of all the years of research we've done on young people, what's really crystallized for us is that uh, young people are asking three big things. Number one, who am I? And we call that a uh, question of identity, pretty fundamental for adolescents. Number two, where do I fit? which is a question of belonging. And number three, what difference can I make, which is a question of purpose. 
So identity, who am I? Belonging, where do I fit? And purpose, what difference can I make? Uh, I mean, we use this so much around our team that we just call this IBP now, identity, belonging, purpose, internally. And, you know, I will say this, for those of us listening who are over 30, we still ask those questions also. They're part of our daily reality. But for those of us over 30, they're more at a low simmer. For our teenagers and our 20-somethings, they're really at a rolling boil. But they are fairly universal questions. We just feel them more intensely at certain seasons in our lives. Yeah, and it, it, it appears that, um, you know, just having kids as age, those, I mean, you hit it right on the head there, and those are things, the questions that are that are there. Well, actually, Joseph from California has a question related to that. Joseph, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Hi, Ed. I was Hi, uh, actually calling to be about making a, a follow-up uh, comment to what was previously said about uh, the church not answering teenagers' questions. Uh, I feel that the church actually answers the deeper meaning uh, of the question behind the question. So instead of like what happens in Haiti or like why did God allow my parents to divorce, um, even though it may seem impersonal, um, the church actually answers the question by being compassionate, but also starting from your personal life to this is why God allows suffering in the, or God allows suffering in, in the world or why suffering is in our current world today um, by bringing it down to the deepest meaning and answers the deepest question as opposed to only the surface level question of why is there an earthquake in Haiti that occurred or why did my parents divorce? Right. No, I think I, I think I get what you're yeah. saying. That that's helpful. Just uh, respond to that, Kara. I mean, so um, individual circumstances versus bigger questions about why is there good, evil, brokenness, and more. Joseph, I love the church, and I can tell you love the church, and I know Ed loves the church, and, and I, I think the church, well, the, fundamentally, the gospel is the hope for our world, and the church, uh, we're often the carriers of that gospel, and, and so like you, I'm very optimistic about the church. Um, and you're right, many churches, many wise leaders, many wise volunteers and pastors, they start with those daily questions about Haiti, about tough things in our lives, and then go deeper. Sadly, though, uh, what we've seen in our research and what we've heard from real-life kids is often when they've brought up those tough questions in Sunday school, in their small group, in their Christian school, sometimes even at home, um, they tend to, to kind of be, feel silenced or shushed. And again, for those of you who have kids younger than teenagers or, or grandkids or are, are volunteering with children's ministry, I, I think the way we handle this with our elementary age kids sets a trajectory. And one of the common narratives we've heard from high school students is right around third grade, they would go to Sunday school and they would ask that question, you know, why, why did God allow this earthquake in this last week in Haiti? And that well-intentioned third grade Sunday school teacher would kind of shush them um, and say, you know, we don't ask questions like that about God. Mm. And what that young person learned is not only the church can't handle our tough questions, but that God can't handle oh, our yeah. tough questions. 
So for listeners who are providing space for those tough questions, awesome. For all of us, let's think about how we can provide even more space so that young people can raise the pressing questions. And then sometimes, like you said, Joseph, transition to the deeper questions. Yeah, yeah. Good, good comment, Joseph. Thank you. If you'll stick on the line, we'd like to give you a copy um, of, of the book and share it with you. The book is Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager by Kara Powell and Brad Griffin. So you just stick on the line, Joseph. Our producer will jump on and uh, get that. Will you? Let's go to uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So, James, we're going to get to you in a second. Just fun fact, James, I think I've said before on the program that I m- once met Bart Starr and didn't know who he was. I met him in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So I was just up in uh, Wisconsin last week, and I took a picture next to a famous statue of Bart Starr. So I just wanted to start with every time I hear Tuscaloosa, I have a little bit of shame of how little I know about sports. So hopefully you'll forgive me. And James, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for taking my call, and and no problem. We appreciate our sports down here, and I know other parts of the country do as well. But um, this is an important topic, and I I just want to commend your author for, you know, for broaching the subject. And the reason I say that is because I've taught adult Sunday school classes, but adults for a number of years, and so many times they'll start out with, hey, this is a dumb question, or I know – Nobody else feels this way. And I always try to encourage them that, hey, there are no dumb questions, and bring it out. And when they would say that, inevitably, multiple people in the classroom would say, well, you know, I've always wondered about that. I've thought about that. And I always try to encourage, especially those that are parents, to bring the questions out, because you never know when these conversations are going to come up with your children or your family members or friends or coworkers. And I just... I know your author talked about it just a moment ago a little bit, but I just wondered if she could expound a little bit more on the fact of, uh, you know, how to make sure that we do have an open environment and encourage people to ask those questions and what the ramifications of that can be. Yeah, I love, love that question, James. And we had a little difficulty hearing you just cell phone-wise, but but super question. Do stay on the line. So, Karen, my producer will jump on. We want to give you a copy of the book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. So, Kara, let, I mean, he wants to amplify on some of those stuff. So how do you help those conversations, those questions, and more? Yeah, well, first of all, let me say, Ed, I, too, have met Bart Starr, actually, no when way. I was at a game at Lambeau Field. Yes, nice. and I was with now, my, my 20-year-old. He was 10 at the time, and I, I said, Nathan, go shake that man's hand. I'll tell you who he is later. And so he went up and shook his hand, and I told him who he was later, so... That's what, now the irony is, is that I would have been Nathan in that story because I wouldn't know. He was so nice. I said, you know, we were at this skybox. Uh, my boss took us down to that to Tuscaloosa, and he was just meeting people. So I he came by me and I said, "How are you doing? And what's your name?" He said, "Bart Starr." And I said, "What do you do for a living?" He said, "Well, I, I think he said I own some car dealerships." And I said, "Oh, that's really great. good to meet you. My name's Ed yeah. Stetzer." And he walked on to the next person, and everyone mocked me for like for I had to embrace that. So you knew who he was. But anyway, all right, good. So back to right, back to James's question. Yeah, James, I love what you're saying. And, you know, as, as you were asking your question and making your comment, I, I, I thought I would share this question that has been very helpful for me as a youth leader, as a friend of people who don't know Jesus yet, and as a parent, uh, starting when my kids were in elementary age and now, you know, up through college. Um, and it's this question. If you could ask God any question, what would it be? If you could ask God any question, what would it be? And I'll tell you, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've asked fellow moms at my kids' school who don't know Jesus yet what, what 
they would want to ask God. I've asked my kids when they were in fourth grade and now all the way up into college. And, you know, it's just fascinating how, again, sometimes they get kind of theoretical and ask some of the classic apologetics questions uh, about suffering, about if Jesus is the only way to God, etc. But a lot of times they also get more personal with what they're struggling with. So, James, I'll offer that to you and to all of us. If you could ask God any question, what would it be? Yeah, so I one of the questions I think for for people though is they don't know the answer to those questions. So so you know my sister died at uh, 21 years of age, and so my question would be rare form of cancer. Lots of people praying. My question would be why does this happen and why does this happen? So I think that's why people are afraid of the question is because the answer is not always so clear. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I tell you, I have a Ph.D. in practical theology. I counted up once and I've gone to 26 grades of school. But let me say this. My kids at about age nine or 10 could stump me with their questions about God. So, you know, a phrase that I keep in my back pocket and I, I encourage all of us to think about keeping in our back pocket is this. I don't know, but... I don't know but, so that when a young person or really anyone of any generation asks us a question we don't, we we can't answer right at that moment about God, and that's true of a lot of questions for probably all of us, um, we can say, I don't know, but how about if you and I get together for coffee and let's talk about it? Or to say to one of our kids, you know, I don't know, but I know the scientist at church, and she loves questions like this. What if we uh, have a Zoom call with her or try to grab coffee with her sometimes? Or, as I've said also to my own kids, you know, I don't totally know, but here's what I do know about God. And pointing to those, you know, tentpole truths that I found uh, so comforting and stabilizing about God in the midst of things that I don't know. I think it's naive of us to think we can fully explain God. Um, If any human could fully explain God, I don't think God would really be God. There's an element of God that is holy, H-O-L-Y and W-H-O-L-L-Y, a holy other. And so let's acknowledge that, but let's, what I like about the phrase, I don't know, but is it, it, creates a next step. Let's get together. Let's ask our pastor or somebody else to join us. Or here's what I have found to be true about God that has been transformative for me. Yeah, I love it. I, and I also love that with my kids, when they genuinely ask those questions, sometimes we just have the conversation, right? So, And that's, and that's a good thing in and of itself. But oftentimes I say, hey, what if we read this together? And it's, it's been a great joy to read, you know, particularly my older daughter, we talked about Athanasius on the incarnation together, you know, the early church fathers talking about this or that and and to grow and learn with them such a key thing. We're going to continue with your calls in just a second. Our number is 877-548-3675. Talking to Kara Powell. Let's continue our conversation in just a moment. Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and we're talking to Kara Powell, and we're talking to Kara about, well, teenagers in general and the complexity challenges that are there. She leads the Fuller Youth Institute. We're talking to her about her new book. It's called Three Big Changes That Every, uh, two, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager, written by Kara and Brad Griffin. And uh, Kara, you were a source of conversation this week because um, I've changed some role with my podcast, and I moved over to partner with the Church Leaders Podcast, and I asked them 
uh, we were having some conversations. And what's the most listened to podcast? And we were just having this conversation again this week. And they said of all the podcasts we've ever had on, and they've had on all the all the big names there at the Church Leaders Podcast, which has now been rebranded, and we're it's it's the podcast I'm doing with them. But you are the most listened to podcast that they have ever had on. And a lot of people might say, well, I didn't know. Kara's name. Now, a lot of us in ministry do. You're very well-known and well-regarded in this context. But um, you, in that podcast, it was um, the Kara Powell on the number one reason youth leave the church and how to reverse the trend. And and which tells me that people see this and people care about this. So uh, so we've linked that to in the show notes as well. If you go to edstetzerlive.com, you can see Kara's book there. You can see Fuller Youth Institute there. You can see this uh, the, the link to that podcast there. But, um, I mean, this is such a front and center issue for so many people. So if I could just ask you to answer that question here, what is the reason that youth leave the church and how do we reverse the trend? Yeah, well, if I had to distill it down to just one reason, I would say that uh, they don't have the relational connections that keep them attached and keep them grounded. So uh, there's so many churches who have developed wonderful youth ministries, and, and I applaud that. I want churches to have great student ministries. The problem is that we often keep young people segregated, and that is not a verb I use lightly. We keep young people segregated from the rest of the church. So the good news is we uh, have developed these wonderful enclaves for young people, but sadly what happens is they graduate from high school and all they know is the youth ministry. All they know is the youth pastor. They don't know the rest of the church, nor do they have a vision for what it means to stay engaged with the church. And so a big theme in our research is the importance of intergenerational relationships. You know, we studied over 13 different youth group variables that youth group kids tend to be involved in. And Ed, you'll be glad to know that studying scripture was correlated with mature faith in high school and college. Being involved in service and justice work was correlated with mature faith in high school and college. But of all the variables we looked at, the one that was most correlated with mature faith is intergenerational worship and relationships. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for all of us to be thinking as parents, grandparents, step-parents, mentors, how do we surround our young people with a team of adults? And so, you know, getting really practical with, with our daughter who's going away to college on Tuesday, I got to have my last one-on-one -on -one, uh, dinner with her on Thursday night. And I told her at the start of the dinner, we went out to a restaurant and I said, you know, okay, there's three big things I want to talk to you about. And one of them was um, when, or I started, what I first said was, if you struggle, if you make a mistake, or then I said, and then Krista, it's probably more accurately when you struggle, when you make a mistake, who is the adult that you're going to reach out to? Like, I want you to think now about the adult. If, you, if for some reason you don't feel like you can talk to your dad and me, who's that other adult? And so she named a mentor who I figured she would name. And I'm going to email that mentor and say, you know, say to them, hey, you know, my daughter named you as somebody she's going to reach out to. Just know how important you are. And if you want to reach out to her, you know, in the meantime, please do so. So, you know, those are the intentional things we can do as adults to surround our kids with that intergenerational team. 
Love that. I remember back in the day, we did a life research thing on dropouts, and I think there were seven predictive things, and one of the seven was having a significant relationship with someone other than your parents, an adult uh, other than your parents, yeah. in the church was a predictive factor. So, uh, and that's not one that top of mind. People, you know, well, you know, I gave them the apologetic study Bible. I, I answered all the hard questions, right? Great. Those are right. actually. Those are important too, but those were not the things that consistently showed um, at the top. I want to invite our callers again to call in. Maybe you got questions, maybe you're in the younger years asking, how do I help, you know, gird a robust faith in my daughter or my son, help them to find their own rooted personal spiritual relationship with the Lord, His Word, and the Church? 877-548-3675 is our number. That's 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. We're going to go to Tim in Minnesota. Tim, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Yeah, so you know, we as parents have always obviously tried to do everything that the Lord wanted us to do. You know, we you know read a lot of books, listen to a lot of Christian stuff, and you know we've done this, we've done this, we've done this, and yet we still see you know kids fall away. I'm just wondering if there's any statistics out there that tell us. You know, this is the spirit of the age. You know, I remember being in a gathering with a thousand other parents. And uh, how many of you guys have kids that have walked away? Like every one of them raised their hands. So it's like, are there statistics that show us, you know, this is the great falling away or this is right before the Lord comes back as in the days of Noah. So will it be when the Son of Man returns? Any help there? What do you think, Gareth? Well, you know, I, I got to say, I, I probably don't have an answer that comes from an eschatological or, or end times perspective, but I, I will say this. You're absolutely right that, I mean, the data shows somewhere between 40 to 50 percent of our kids, and I, I totally mean our, I mean, Dave and I are, are not naive about this for our own kids. We certainly have done everything we possibly can, but we know that, you know, it's ultimately up to that young person and, and how they respond to the work of the Holy Spirit. That, that 40 to 50% of our kids will drift. Now, I do want to give some encouraging uh, uh, information to the listeners who, you know, you're in that boat and your heart is breaking. You know, probably for many listeners, your biggest prayer request is for your, your child, your grandchild who's drifted from the Lord. Uh, a couple things to give you hope. Number one, you know, a lot of young people do come back when they get married and when they have kids. Because they all of a sudden they want um, they want that their own kids to somehow be in a faith formation environment. Now this generation is getting married and having babies later, so so we don't totally know the data on, on that percentage. It's it's a little bit different than it was for previous generations, probably. But but I just want to offer that encouragement. And then the other thing that I want to say, and you know, at this feel, these feel like they've been the themes of, of of our time together so far, is while I don't have research on what tends to draw young people, you know, back necessarily, I'll say anecdotally, the two things that I see are number one, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with someone at work or a neighbor or, you know, an aunt. Sometimes it is us as parents or grandparents, but often it's somebody who's a little bit more removed. It's a relationship that draws them back. And then number two, and this is so hard, it's often suffering that draws them back. Um, they go through a hard time and they, they realize how much they need the Lord in the midst of that. And, 
you know, one of my least favorite scripture verses, and that's maybe a little controversial for a theology faculty member to say at a seminary, but one of my least favorite scripture verses, but it's so powerful, is Romans 5, 3, and 4, that suffering leads to perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And, you know, I'll be honest, I have prayed for my own kids, Lord, whatever it takes for them to stay grounded in you and hunger for you, that's what I want. And even if that's hard times, and I imagine it will mean some hard times, whatever it takes. And often it's that, that suffering, that struggle, that unemployment, that breakup, that heartbreak, that financial challenge, that is what causes our, our young people to say, you know what, I need something bigger and deeper and more stable. I need to stand on the rock of my faith. And so, so relationship and suffering are the two themes that, that I see that draw young people back. Yeah, and that's that's you thank thanks for nothing. You know, that's exactly not what you want to hear, but it is <laughs> right. It is it is reality and it is yeah. it is part of the journey for for many of us, you know. I mean, I can think yeah. of for probably so many Christians are saying this is when we were, you know, when we were drawn back to the Lord and and I agree with you on some of those statistics as well. There's there are just so so you know, there are um I think it was Tim uh, Tim, and thank you for your call very much. If you stay on the line, too, we want to give you a copy of the the book that we are talking about here. It's Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. So our producer will jump on and get that to you. Uh, but there there are, um, I, I kind of, I'm of the view that if you have your kids, and you're, I, I think of a friend of mine who's got three adult children who are all walking with the Lord, and they were believers, and they raised them, and they discipled them. And I think they obviously did um, a whole lot of things right, not everything right. But but to have three kids, adult children, now they got grandchildren walking with the Lord. I, I look to him. He's he's a friend, and I, I know both he and her, but he's a friend. I look to him as a mentor. I call him up and say, what should I do? Um, and yeah. then I know people who have kids that have all walked away from the Lord, and I can say, man, they did a, they did a, lot, a lot of wrong things, right? But then mm-hmm. there's some people whose kids have— some stayed and some walked, and they did what I would yeah. say almost everything right, just like my yeah. friend I was talking about who's a mentor to me. So I think that we don't have a guarantee. You know, that verse that says, yeah. you know, raise up a child in the way you should go is, is a proverb, not a promise. So you can, yeah. it appears, do everything. I mean, we really don't do everything right, but you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, you're you're a professor in this, you know, and I'm a pastor, and and we all have our kids who struggle and who, you know, and my kids don't like me to talk about them on the radio. Your kids probably don't either. Um, but we have to acknowledge that it's not always I did these seven things because the Fuller Youth Institute or, or Ed Stetzer at Lifeway Research said do these things. And still yeah. my kid walks away. Um, and that's so that's that's part of the challenge. But I do think we want to be as informed as we can and as faithful as we can and, and seek to have fruitful, fruitful relationships as well. And again, let me throw the number out for people who may want to call uh, 877-548-36775. So one of the things that we, we were, Karen and I know each other, so we were together at her house. Um, and actually, your your daughter came out when we were sitting and having sandwiches in the backyard. And we talked yep. a little bit about you're going to have this talk when she goes off to school and all this. And I love I'm 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 actually having this talk over the course of a five-day drive to California. So it's going to be a long <laughs> conversation. Um, but awesome. lis- lis- listening listening matters. I mean, you one of the big themes throughout yeah. all of your research is, because, you know, you and I are going to have this t- conversation, but we're going to also listen. Why does listening to young people matter so much? 
Because they often don't feel listened to. You know, this generation of young people, they feel judged. Uh, they have had adults finger point at them. And, you know, starting with millennials and now still with Gen Z, they've been called lazy, entitled, you know, so on and so forth. And so what we want to help adults do is not judge young people, but journey with them. And, Ed, you know, I will, I will say a paradigm that is in our three big questions that change every teenager book that, you know, and, and my husband and I just used it like a week ago with one of our kids, is a three-question paradigm. So, again, three big questions are identity, belonging, and purpose. But when you want to have a conversation with a young person, how do you do it? And so we recommend, first off, now. So this is the first question or the first uh, first word is now. Spend some time trying to understand what is going on now. What is that young person feeling or thinking now? What's the reality of what's happening now? The second the second word is God. How do we transition you know in that conversation ideally by asking questions to what is what does God have to say about this? What is God inviting? you into in the midst of this. And then lastly, how? How can you live out what God might be calling you to? How can I, as your mentor or as a family member, how can I support you? So, uh, you know, again, I just offer this as a paradigm for us to keep in mind as adults investing in kids now, God, and how. And I think part of our problem is we jump past the now, and we want to have the conversation about God. Um, and, and I want to have that conversation about God, believe me, but I've just found, you know, Jim Rayburn, the founder of Young Life, said we have to earn the right to be heard. And there's an element of empathizing, showing we understand, making sure we understand that we need to establish first. So now God How is a great conversational paradigm to help us go deeper with our young people. Yeah, we're going to continue our conversation in uh, just just a moment with Kara and maybe try to squeeze in some of your calls. That'd be quick calls, but it's 877-548-3675. Her, her book with Griffin, uh, Brad Griffin is, uh, is called Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. I think we're having a really helpful conversation as well. If you join late, you can listen online. Go to edstetzerlive.com. Again, your calls, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. Going to jump right to the calls. Going to go to Holland, Michigan. I got to mention, we got to keep our calls pretty uh, succinct and brief because we want to get in a few calls before we go. But Edward, you're live on the air from Holland, Michigan. Yes. From out of the mouth of babes, uh, young people and teenagers and adolescents, maybe there are questions they ask that the church can't answer. For instance, mm -hmm. do you really think that the uh, problems in Haiti that God just reached down and zapped those people? I don't think so. I think laws of nature were broken, laws of uh, geology and uh, atmospherics and and uh, uh, the whole influence of, of uh, plate tectonics and all that. So I, I think we blame God for things that he in no way has anything to do with. Mm -hmm. So in terms of more and more of the natural order, so plate tectonics, I agree with, by the way, I'm not sure we blame geology, but it's, but it's plate tectonics certainly at work. But there's still crises in the world. Thank you for your call, Edward. I appreciate that. Uh, how would you like address in general the question of 
you know, when bad things happen to good people, the, you know, the constant question, books written by the topic as well. I mean, yeah, it is plate tectonics. It is the world. This is part of how it functions. How should we respond to that? Well, this is one of those times where I think it's helpful to use that I don't fully know, I know yeah. <laughs> answer. Yeah. Uh, I don't fully know. But, and, it, you know, Ed, getting real personal here, um, one of my closest friends uh, passed away because of cancer and left behind four young kids. They were a family that was very close to ours. And and uh, one of our kids at the time was confused and, and kind of mad at God, to be honest, yeah. that that yeah. Chrissy had passed away. And so, you know, I remember uh, crying with her and sitting next to her on her bed with my arm around her and and I said, you know, I don't fully know. I don't totally know why God would allow Chrissy to die. But, and this is where I went to Romans 5, 3, and 4, suffering leads to perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so, you know, I, I can cling to that, that somehow God's going to use it for good. So, um, you know, I think there are four or five other things to say about, uh, from an apologetics perspective, about why God allows suffering. But for me, I find it uh, especially if it's personal suffering, to give a very personal answer. Yeah. Give us the three big questions again. Again, the book is called yeah. Three Big Questions, right? And that's so obviously, let's just remind ourselves, what are the three big questions that change every teenager? Yep. Identity, who am I? Belonging, where do I fit? And purpose, what difference can I make? And the good news is, while young people are looking to all sorts of current answers for those questions, we believe that Jesus offers the best answers to those questions. And so that's really the heart of the book. Let's study, sure, let's study what young people are currently using to answer those questions today. But then let's talk about how can we as adults accompany young people and lean into Jesus's best answers to those questions. So the book gives a lot of hope, a lot of practical ideas, over 300 questions that any adult can use, not all at once, but 300 questions that any adult can use to go deeper in, in their discussions with young people. Yeah, I love that. So beyond their own personal story, how does God's story invite and equip young people to deeper purpose? That seems to be a key thing and theme in the book. Yeah, and, and actually, you, Ed, you just touched on, with, with each question, identity, belonging, purpose, we have one word that we think is the best kind of encapsulation of God's story, or of God's answer for young people today. And for purpose, since you asked about purpose, it actually is the word story. Um, you know, the good news is we see young people today, they want to be active in service. They want to make a difference. You know, all 27 kids we interviewed were serving others. Awesome, awesome, awesome. The challenge is they don't really have that service grounded in a strong enough theological roots. And so what we want to point young people to is, you know, God has a great unfolding story. God has the best story. And figure out the part that you can play in it. And so, you know, I, I tell teenagers that if, if God has a book, you have a page in that book, and, you know, you've maybe written your first paragraph. And so the rest of your life is writing the rest of that page. And again, we as adults have the privilege, honor, and I'll say responsibility of walking al alongside young people as they figure out their purpose, their vocation, and how to be part of that story. I love that. You know, I was just up last week, uh, most of last week, in a place called Honey Rock. It's our Center for Leadership Development at Wheaton College up in Wisconsin. And bringing our incoming freshmen and transfer students in, hundreds of students. And 
these were the kind of conversations, identity, belonging, and purpose, that they're beginning yeah. their college journey on. Your daughter off to Pepperdine, you working with uh, up pastors and leaders at Fuller, um, us here at Wheaton College. And I would also say, too, that, you know, Moody Radio, this program's on Moody Radio, partners and affiliates. You know, we're part of Moody Bible Institute and whole new fresh group of students there as well. So let's be praying for our students as they're making transition in a still a very challenging time. Let me thank my guest, Kara Powell. Thank my team behind the scenes at Moody Radio. My producer, Karen Hendren, and my engineer, Courtney Young. And phone guy today is actually Eric Tidwell. And so thanks for your good work, Eric. He's filling in as well. Here today's program again. You can find it at edstetzerlive.com. Next week, I'm going to talk to Jimmy and Kristen Scroggins, talk more about how we can frame issues well with our children dealing with and how do we frame them in a biblical perspective. Again, thanks for listening to Ed Stetzer Live.